Lights. Marker. Action. That was a little dramatic, wasn't it? it the was action right. part? I went, action. Do you think our fans like that, or do they just prefer a normal action? Depends if your um, fans like ASMR or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Group Film. We're here with another movie, uh, one that is from 1990. So we're talking about, what, 30... 33 uh, 30 years, years ago. ago. Oh my gosh, that feels crazy that it was that long ago. But um, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you recognize the voice that you heard just a minute ago? Do you want to say hello, Oscar? What's up, everybody? My name is Oscar. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Excited. Yeah. He told us that this is his very first podcast ever. So uh, really happy to have you on. Hope Thanks. that you feel comfortable and at home. And um, let's talk a little bit about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Woo! Can we do like a group cowabunga at the very end? I think that'd be appropriate, wouldn't you? If we do okay with the podcast, I'll agree to that. (laughs) Okay, let's get into it then. Let's start, as we always do, with Andy's story time. Do you have anything for us, Andy? I do. So, oftentimes in life, timing is everything. So, Independence Day is one of the great summer blockbusters ever. And recently, Roland Emmerich, the director, talked about when they pitched the idea for a sequel to Will Smith. It had been over a decade since Independence Day, released in theaters back in 1996. So Emmerich wrote a script for Independence Day 2 and Independence Day 3. There was an element in the movie that mirrored Rocky 3, where Will's character, Stephen Hiller, has become really famous and has lost his edge. So when the aliens come back, he has to get it back to win. <laughs> Will Smith was super excited, and reportedly, Fox execs said that that was the best first draft of any script they had ever read. Wow. So what happened? Shortly after, Will Smith did After Earth and apparently got cold feet on doing more sci-fi movies. And he's always been reluctant about doing sequels. So he passed on coming back and the rest is history. Oh no. The movie was rewritten to explain that the character of Stephen Hiller had died. Independence Day Resurgence was a monumental flop. Yep. And any talks of a third movie died with it. Oh my gosh. So we can only dream about what could have been. Sometimes timing is everything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Did you see uh, Independence Day Resurgence, Oscar? No, I don't think so. Is it don't the- watch it. Okay. I'll tell you right now. Don't watch it. Don't watch it until season don't watch two of the it. podcast. Just don't ever watch it. <laughs> and then the memory that you have of the first movie will be pure and intact. It is that's one of my greatest regrets ever is watching that film. Because now I can't get it out of my head. It's stuck there like this like oh, this I've- awful ending to what was a really cool movie. I immediately forgot about it. I'm okay. I could rewatch it again. It set up a third movie that is now never going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Terrible. I hate those so kind bad. of movies. Oh, it's terrible. Unless they say that Will Smith was not dead and he was just like captured by the aliens or something and he comes back like they thought he was dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, like Will Smith coming back, that could definitely give the movie some legs, I feel. Yeah, I, I think it's done. I think it's yeah, it's done. Um, I was going to say Independence Day. I think we're going to, we might do that in season two, right, Andy? I would hope so. I mean, yeah. I, I'm looking that's when, forward to the day we can do it. That's in your top five favorite movies, isn't it? Yes, it is number... Yeah, somewhere in three, three through five, somewhere yeah. in there. I have a list of your top favorite movies. I think one through five or one through ten. I think it's one through five. I have it listed. I saved it. So we'll find out at the end. But uh, something else to look forward to, guys. Okay, so five-minute movie recap. We'll try to have this be nice and sweet for you guys. Hopefully not too long, so don't get bored. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this! (laughs) A crime wave has struck New York City. These criminals are unidentified youths, part of the Foot Clan, and the police are powerless and unable to stop them. 
but from the sewers, our heroes arrive to save the day. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, four brothers who are turtles who become human-sized due to an accident. They are led by their father, a human-sized rat named Splinter, who has also taught them the ways of the ninja, which allows them to fight crime at night, since they cannot be seen by the public. A human-sized rat, that's pretty funny. Okay, so they befriend TV reporter April O'Neil after Raphael saves her life in the subway. But when the turtles return to the sewer, they discover that Splinter has been kidnapped. We learn the extent of the Foots operation in New York and that Splinter is being held in their secret warehouse. The turtles are attacked at April's apartment and they barely escape as the entire building is consumed in flames and Raphael is rendered unconscious. Along with Casey Jones and April, they escape to a farmhouse owned by April's family to regroup and recover. There, they come together as brothers and vow to head back to the city to fight the foot and save Splinter. Back in the city, Casey discovers the foot's hideout and helps Splinter escape. Meanwhile, upon learning of the turtle's return, the Shredder, mastermind and leader of the Foot Clan, sends a legion of soldiers to attack the sewer, where the turtles are waiting. The final fight ensues as the Shredder arrives. Despite their strength and numbers, the turtles prove no match for the more experienced Shredder. However, Splinter is able to save the day and avenge his master, whom the Shredder had long ago killed. The Shredder falls into a garbage truck and is then crushed, presumed to dead. Until next time, turtles. Pretty good. Pretty good recap, Andy. Thank you. All right, so if you hadn't seen the movie, again, we spoiled it for you, but um, get on it. Go watch that movie if you haven't, because it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's enjoyable. It's entertaining. And I think that, um, really, I don't know if I would show this to kids. I feel like this last watch, it had some elements where it was a little strong, I think, for really little kids. So that's actually one of the things I'm going to bring up later on in the discussion. Okay. Uh, the perception of this movie at the time. Uh, I love this movie. I think that recap kind of gives you a good baseline if you've never seen it. If you have seen it, it gives you kind of a good refresher if you haven't watched the movie recently. Um, but yeah, there, there, there were some thoughts uh, on the movie as far as the, the rating goes and the content and all that. We'll talk about that later. Oscar, why do you love or not love this movie? I just feel like it's more than one genre. It's action, romance. So with all those parts coming together, it just brings the movie and makes it wonderful. I think it's um, easy to enjoy. For a lot of people to be able to enjoy, right? Because it's got some comedy in it too. Oh yeah. yeah and so it's action, it's sci-fi, it's comedy. There is a little romance yeah. element. So yeah, that's true. So it's like younger kids can enjoy it, adults can enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe even grandpa, grandma like it. They like Splinter. <laughs> you know, they think he's full of wisdom. Uh, how about you, Andy? Why do you love the movie? So I love how dark and gritty it was, especially for the time. Yeah. Uh, it also managed to have lots of humor and silliness in it too. So it wasn't just a dark movie. Uh, but I always swear to anybody who will listen, uh, this is a movie that holds up. I still think that the the plot is believable. Uh, the action is pretty good. Um, yeah. And it's still, you know, a kid's movie. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of grounded in reality as much as it can be. Considering yeah. it's, you know, science fiction because, you know, turtles. But yeah. <laughs> uh, overall, the, the crime plot of it, I think, is still very uh, relevant today. And I, that's why I feel like it, it, it holds up. Yeah, and I think that at that time, now that I think about it, in the early 90s when this came out, this was probably being filmed in like the late 80s and came out in 1990, right? Is that yeah, right? that's right. And so... Um, 
New York was not the safest place at that time. There was a lot of crime going on. And so I think that this movie was kind of reflecting actual New York at that time. And this was before, you know, Rudy Giuliani goes in and starts to clean the streets up and everything. So, yeah, pretty dark. Uh, fairly realistic as far as, you know, what was going on in the city at that time. Of course, it wasn't the Foot Clan, but, you know, you get the idea. And it, it, I bet it's kind of nice to create a story where, yeah, you see the, the reality of it, but at the same time, it gives you fictional heroes that stand up to the bad guys and kind of save the day. So it's like... Anybody living in New York at that time are probably man, I really wish Ninja Turtles existed right now, you know, so they could take on the bad guys. Wouldn't that be cool? You know? I, I don't know that I'd make wishes the turtles were real. I did. <laughs> <laughs> when I was little. Alright, um, what was your reaction after seeing it the first time at home or in theaters versus now? And Oscar, you were saying that you were like five years old, right? When you first saw this. Yeah, I remember when I first watched it. It was more... Um, I don't know if y'all, well, yeah, of course y'all remember, but uh, it was uh, the cassettes. Yeah, um, VHS. So VHS, yeah. VHS cassettes, yeah. So yeah. I remember because uh, I moved from Colorado to Texas. So uh, uh, the first time I rewatched it, it's, I remember perfectly when just the whole scenes of the comedy just made me fall in love with like superheroes in general. And uh, I just, you know, I, I can't forget it. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? Michael, Michelangelo. That was back then or, or now? Still, still. Still your favorite. Awesome. Yeah. He's he's so lovable, Michelangelo. How about you, Andy? Who's your favorite character? Just random question. So it's changed. It used to always be Raphael. And wow. now in this last rewatch, I think I sympathize more with Leonardo. He's as, more as your the style. Leader. He's yeah. more my style. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a Wolverine versus Cyclops type deal. Yeah, exactly. Where one's a hothead. Right. And, you you know, you still love him, but then I, I'm more kind of the leadership guy now, you know? I'm more of a Leonardo and, and Cyclops, and I'm a rule follower, and, you know, I still consider myself to be fearless in that sense. You know, I, I respect both of them, uh, but I think I'm a Leonardo guy now in my so, old age. So just another random question. Who is who from the movie in this? Are you? Do you see a lot of Michelangelo in yourself? I, I see a lot of Michelangelo because no matter what situation he's in, he always brings out the funny part in yeah. whatever situation he is. I feel like um, no matter what, like Michelangelo, if I'm like in a dangerous situation and you know serious, I always try to make a joke or you know to bring out a laugh by to somebody or uh, you know make a joke or anything like that. Yeah. So. You guys can both comment on this. Am I more Donatello or am I more Raphael? Personally, I think um, Donatello. Donatello. What do you say? I'm gonna go Donatello. You have a little. You have elements of both. Yeah. But Raphael's very, very specific. Yeah. And I think you're more Donatello. Well, thanks, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, did you look up the critic score on this, Andy? I did. What did they say? What did um, this movie get? It got a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, that's not good. That's not good. And the audience score was 81%. You know, it's... I, I tend to trust the the viewer more than the critics. Yeah, I would I would say that it's it's higher than 40 for sure. And 80 is it too high? No, I think 80 is pretty good. That's a B. Right? I don't I don't know this for a fact, but I believe Batman had just come out, and I wonder if they were 
grading Ninja Turtles through the lens of superhero movies, comparing it to Batman. Mm. And Batman in 1989, I mean, that was a, a marvel. Yeah. No pun a, intended. Michael <laughs> Keaton Batman, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. They and came so out that was so beloved immediately and, and was such a hit that I wonder if they were viewing superhero movies through that lens. And so it was destined to fail. Yeah. Do you agree with 80? 80 is fair. How about you? What would you give it? I don't From know. Zero uh, to a hundred. I would give it a ninety. I just enjoy a the 90. movie. And wow. so, so I, I want to kind of uh, qualify that eighty percent. Eighty percent is fine now. At the time, it should have been ninety. Wow. Yeah. I think that if I go back in time, and they give the critics give this a forty, I'm outraged. I'm just like, how could you give that movie a forty? That was really good. Yeah. And especially when you had nothing else to compare it to. So we just got some pizza here. Um, if you hear some chewing, just uh, deal with it because the pizza's good, isn't it? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. What did you got there? I got a pepperoni pizza, and uh, yeah, that's about yeah, it. And you made it with nothing else on it. Nothing else. Um, usually a typical um, pizza and ranch type of guy, but um, oh, I, I got some ranch. No, it's okay. Today I'll make an exception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michelangelo would be disappointed in you, though, bro. I don't think I've seen Michelangelo. No, no he is not no. an extra top. He's just wanted pepperoni. No, he no, he he had toppings even... on there. I no, remember. Yeah, just he anchovies. Started... No, no, he, no anchovies. He no anchovies, he but said he said he wanted, I think he wanted like ham on it. I'm pretty yeah, sure he, he said did. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I was going to ask you guys kind of like as a trivia question to see if you guys remember the order that he placed exactly. <laughs> no, I <laughs> And didn't I just watched it this morning too. I can't. Man, no problem. Okay. So, um, let's go ahead and talk about the best thing I've ever seen. We got uh, a couple things to talk about here. First of all, what are the great scenes in this movie in your opinion? List off a few while I take a bite of my pizza that has pepperoni, cheese, jalapenos, and pineapples. Mikey would be proud. <laughs> so, uh, I don't have a particular order of my favorite scenes, but I'm just going to name off as I remember the scenes. Yeah. So, that I really enjoyed as um, when the Ninja Turtles were fighting the Foot Clan in the April's apartment. Mm. And uh, before they even started the fight, Michelangelo and this other Foot Clan member were doing with the nunchucks and I, I'm like, fellow trucker, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And they were just showing their That's a t-shirt right there, yeah. isn't it? Fellow trucker, eh? And it Write just, that uh, down. <laughs> the music there, so for the Foot Clan member, he was just like silent. He's like, oh, 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 oh. But when it was Michelangelo's turn, it was like, jazz. So that was like, for me, it was just hilarious. And to set up the fight, just before like a fight, and it was like a funny situation, just like was perfect. That was cool. Who do you think did better in that? Oh, obviously Michelangelo. He, I, was, he was doing like this, the basketball move with the... Oh, yeah, when he started... Yeah. And then he was showing off. Oh, yeah. he, was like, he, was, okay. he was yawning. He was like, oh, yeah. to me. When I saw... I remember one time I saw him, I was just like, the Foot Clan guy actually did better, in my opinion, but no. nah, Mike was better, right? Oh, yeah. Michelangelo. Yeah, no, he was solid, but, you know. What other great scenes did you like, Eddie? Okay, so I've got a couple, but it's not my favorite. I'll save my favorite for when we talk about that in a minute. For okay. me, great scenes... Uh, when Raphael sa saves April in the subway, the farmhouse, even though I have kind of mixed feelings about their time at the farmhouse, mm -hmm. and then the showdown with Shredder. I really liked the, when Splinter was explaining the backstory of his master. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. When he was... Omato Yoshi! <laughs> <laughs> he was just... How he, it just makes you more sentimental and wants you want make you want to see more the 
the, the Splinter getting his revenge against yeah. um, um, Shredder. It was really interesting to me, the backstory. And I like that they don't spend too much time to where you're just like, oh, okay, this is boring. Let's get back to like mm-hmm. modern day with reality. But they give you just enough to where you're interested in what that story was and what, how it played out. They only do two flashbacks in the entire movie, if I'm not mistaken. And they're both, they're both good. And I think, I don't remember if um, Shredder even realized at first that it was Splinter, the same rat. But then when he figured out, it was just more like intense and yeah. um, you just wanted to see that battle go down against Splinter and uh, Shredder. And yeah. See, uh, Splinter kick, shred some Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> what is it that he says when he realizes that it's Splinter? Does he say something like, you're the rat mm-hmm. or something like that? It was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Man. Okay. I got some great scenes that... I really enjoyed in this movie when Casey Jones comes to help the turtles at the antique store. Oh, what yeah. are you doing to my you know, yeah, friend? Yeah, that's true. Ben? I missed that one. When when he shows up, man, I'm like, yes, like this guy's he's solid. He's a good dude. And the cheesy '90s music plays the dee 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 dee, and you know, and he it's starts. It's not cheesy. He's, he's, I love that yeah. score. And he's out the whole movie. Awesome And you know, the whole place is lighting up in flames, and Casey's like fighting the guys, and they're like, "You coming?" He's like, "I'll cover you." Yeah, which is. He's so brave, you know. It's, it's like there's like it's kind like, of silly that he's trying to take on like, like sixty of them. Yeah, but well, he's it's on to fire. Die. I think he's, he's that, willing to die. That, that part, part of the movie just got me so anxious. I was like, man, are you gonna leave or not? Because any second now, <laughs> that, 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 fire. that whole antique. So I'll, I'll just say that's my pick for favorite scene: the fight really? in the antique store. Oh wow. yeah, hands okay. down. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the the peak of the movie. Wow. Okay. And. The farmhouse, while good from a, you know, cinephile point of view, like what it does for the characters and, yeah. you know, whatever, it really kills the momentum that's built by the antique fight. I think <laughs> it's giving you a break, you yeah. know, because you can't have fight scene after fight scene or else the audience gets tired. I know, but it's just like that antique scene is just so, so good yeah that i feel like it it kills the momentum i have to do i have to put this one in here um i don't know if you like it but when april is narrating you know and it's weird because you don't get narration anywhere else in the movie but when she's narrating and talking about the oh in the farmhouse yeah at the farmhouse and, and she's talking about all the turtles and casey jones and everything and you know the drawings yeah i thought that was really cool how yeah, she's it like is good she's identifying things about these characters that helps the audience be like oh, okay this is who this person is if i didn't already know now i know this is who donatello is this is who casey is this is who mikey is you know blah 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 yeah. Um, also, when uh, I like the scene where Casey is in the truck trying to fall asleep because he didn't want to sleep down there in the sewer, and uh, Danny uh, comes out, and then he, he like quietly starts following Danny, and then he gets there, and he's just like he's he's wearing the right clothes, so it's like he fit in really well with that those people. Which, by the way, although he's that twenty is, years older than yeah, all those kids in there, yeah, exactly, so he should have stood out a lot more. But he's like he's got the cut up, you know. Uh, denim vest and all that so uh, i like that scene i like how casey just like infiltrated without having to do any work <laughs> yeah i've got a, a vexing issue later about that scene in particular that you're talking about but yeah um favorite scene in the movie hands down what is it for you guys oh i already said mine you said yours yeah what's yours fight scene in uh in april's apartment wow okay all right, I guess I'm going to be the only one who picked different. I'm going to say the final fight. And not because it was better than the antique fight, just because it was four of them against the iconic Shredder. 
you know, on a rooftop at night. It was just so cool with the city in the in background the and everything. And it's just, even though they get their butts handed to them, the turtles, like they get one hit on him, right? I think it's Leonardo that gets one hit on him where he, he like slices uh, Shredder in the arm or something. But they're just getting beat. But I still love that because it just shows that even the four of them together, you know, it's tough for them to take an enemy like that. Well, part of it is because of the movie trope where they all go one at a time. Yeah. Instead of all four at the same time. That's true. It's like, yeah. let's go one at a time to fight this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we can't win. I don't know why. Yeah. What is your point of no return? It, for me, it's going to just be on repeat the whole time. But the antique, uh, the antique store scene. So let I, me get this straight, Oscar. If that scene comes out on TV, you're literally putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. You are forgetting about the rest of the world and you're going to watch the rest of the movie. That's right. <laughs> All right. Just just wanted to get it on the record. On the yeah. record. Not only I'm stopping everything I'm doing, but I'm ordering a pizza right there and there and getting a pizza too. And next time you're getting a little bit more on it, right? Than just pepperoni. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to do Mikey proud. That's right. How about you, Andy? What's your point of no return? Same answer, antique store, but I'm going to say I might bow out during the farmhouse. I might go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. might order a pizza, and then I'll come back for the final fight scene in New York. All right. Well, I'm chewing on this pizza, man, and I, need, I feel like I need a second to, to continue chewing. Otherwise, it's going to be in my mouth for the next five minutes. So do we go to the commercial from our sponsors now? Oh, okay. Sure. Hit us with that. Do you have a... Do we have a sponsor? No. No, that was just oh. a, a, a clever way to... Uh, Domino's, a couple minutes. Domino's is gonna sponsor us. <laughs> oh no, what, what, which one was it? The, um, it was a Pizza Hut that came out with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I think they did back then. No, um, uh, recently, recently too. Oh, so that was an interesting thing. I think I think I read something about that where Pizza Hut had something to do with the movie, but they used Domino's in the movie instead, and so that was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I read something to that effect. All right, my, my uh, point of no return is when Casey follows Danny to the foot hideout. At that point, it's like close enough to the end of the movie where I was like, yeah, I can just finish it. Well, that's point. pretty much the end yeah, of the movie. Yeah, I think that's... There's nah, like 12 but, minutes left. No, nah, the there's like 20 time. minutes left, right? I, I don't think... 15? You, you miss okay. the whole movie if you're just starting from that part because I think it is... Okay, then let, let me go back a little bit. When they uh, when Leo says to uh, April, we have to go back. How about that? Okay, that get, get throw another five minutes in there. Then that's yeah. all right. And not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you get the them going back to the sewer, yeah. and you get the music. Yeah, we got to talk about this score here in a bit. Um, okay, so let's talk about Shredder. Was this not one of the coolest? villains that you've seen in a movie i mean now we have so many villains to choose from but like think about that time how intimidating he is with what he's wearing the way he talks everything about him is so mysterious and scary to be honest like he's got blades all over him every time there's a scene with shredder they add the boom <laughs> it just makes you like chills down your spine it yeah. makes it two times worse yeah his his intro his first two i guess shots in the movie the first one is when he's watching all the tvs and then he does you just see his silhouette you don't even see anything you just see the black you know and then he throws the knife at the tv that's pretty scary especially for a kid and then the second time we see him where we haven't seen his face or anything really detailed about him he's he's going to the meeting that he's going to have with all the the guys who are i guess either part of the Foot Clan or they want to be part of the Foot Clan. And you see the you see his shadow 
coming. You know, they have that really cool shot of his shadow first being really big and intimidating. And then he comes through. He's got the cape on. And then the camera follows him. And then, you know, you just see everybody looking at him and in awe. And uh, he gives that speech about how honored they should be to be there and to be part of the Foot Clan. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, man. As a viewer, you're intimidated, especially if you're a child. Like, I was probably four or five when I first saw this movie. I was two when it came out. But, you know, as, as a child, you're, this guy's terrifying. But then they do a good job in the movie of creating that sensation because everybody else in the movie is terrified of him too mm-hmm. all the all the foot clan members are terrified even tatsu it's like a like a healthy fear yeah, i don't want i don't i yeah respect and admiration for shredder and also he's also he also knows he could get his butt whooped by shredder Man. so that's another guy i want to talk a little bit about later is tatsu <laughs> which people could easily like miss his name you know which we were talking about the bald guy yeah, yeah. oh my gosh man Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the behind-the-scenes stuff. We can go through this fairly quickly because I don't think that this is the type of movie where you really need to elaborate much on it. Um, As far as uh, cinematography goes, like I think Brian, if you were on here, he'd be like, yeah, there wasn't much to to really praise here. Well, I mean, there's the the shot you just mentioned with Shredder where the shadow, like that's a cool setup for the character. Um, but I, I, I'm not great at picking out those kind of details as you and Brian are. When Raphael gets really angry yeah. and then the camera starts shaking I was gonna in order that. to show oh, you how yeah, angry yeah. he is, I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was effective. Also yeah. in the in the subway part when he was going to save Rachel, it shows him running. So the camera shows as, as if the feet and he's like oh, running yeah. towards him. Shaky cam. Yeah. yeah. The camera, uh, Oscar, whenever it shows you something that is that feels random, most of the time it isn't. They're setting something up. When Michelangelo in particular is fighting Shredder, Shredder catches one of his nunchucks and then tosses it basically and it lands on the ladder. And the camera goes and shows you that the nunchucks landed on the ladder. You'd be like, that's a throwaway shot. Why is that important in any way? Why like, why didn't you just continue with the fight? You stopped the fight to show us that. And it's for a reason. Because later on, that's exactly what Splinter is going to use to stop the, the spear that gets thrown at him. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we can praise that. Script for a 90s movie based on Ninja Turtles, pretty good, I feel. Yeah, I feel a solid story, uh, relevant at the time. You know, it was grounded, like I said earlier, as grounded as a science as fiction can, movie like know, this can be. And even the cheesy humor and everything, is it's 100% intentional, so I'm not going to hold it against them. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's Ninja Turtles at the end of the day. It has to have, be funny. It needs to have that level of, like, silliness. Yeah, not only, like like you said, it was silliness, but the, how the story was put... Um, portrayed it was one big story and in that one big story there was like little stories in between like Raphael's growth as with his controls his anger Leonardo become tries to become a better leader yep. and um, also Michelangelo like in the beginning how he wasn't taking Splinter's advice so serious but then when Splinter decided um, he gets captured and you know he's reflecting on it and also Donatello how he was at the beginning also not taking it so much serious but then later on he was reflecting so everybody grows as their own character you know yeah yeah there's character growth i think michelangelo has the least character growth but i think that's intentional too yeah Yeah, the the two that have the most growth are leonardo and Raphael because they're the main turtles i mean so so talking about the music and that you were praising it i listened to this movie with headphones on Mm -hmm. and at a good volume so that you could really appreciate it 
the score, I mean, the, it's pretty good for a, it's a movie good. like this. Like, it's, I liked it. I really liked it. I would jam out to it on a, on a like, car ride. I will put this up against Hans Zimmer, John Williams. <laughs> okay, take it easy now. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for Brian. But so it, Brian can rage privately while he, watches, <laughs> oh, while he listens he, to this he's, later. He's going to rage big time. It has that classic 80s, early 90s kind of uh, sound. It really works for this. I like it a lot. And one thing that they didn't do, and I don't know how you feel about this, Andy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has always had that classic theme song. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. You remember that too? It's, you know, part of the games. It's part of, like, the, uh, the cartoons when we were growing up. But they didn't do anything even close to that in this movie. Like, they didn't even do a remix of it or nothing. Do you think that that was to the movie's benefit, or was it not really important at all? I think it was the right decision. I got a note about the wardrobe that kind of ties into that same kind of thinking. Where you, you don't want to alienate some of the viewers because it's a little too corny. or let, I think they tried to appeal to as many people as possible, like we've talked about. You know, lots of different uh, subgenres in the movie. Uh, trying to make it adult, but still, you know, for kids. So I don't think it needed the theme song in it. There was a, a cool little nod uh, for the wardrobe that they did, where at the beginning of the movie they put April in that yellow rain jacket that we're used to seeing her in, in the comics. And, uh, you know, she only wears it in that one scene. The yeah. rest of the time she dresses like a normal adult. Right. Like, you know, logically. Yeah. Uh, but she does wear it at the beginning of the movie, so it's a, it's a nod to the comics at that time. I like the cartoon that. show hadn't been out yet. They right. wanted her to use it the whole time, but um, she just wasn't yeah. wanting to do it. So... They, she made a compromise just to wear it for the first scene. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oscar did homework because I, I had that, I had that tidbit. I read it, but I don't think I wrote it down. But I do remember that. Nice. Judith, Judith research did not want to wear that the whole movie, and so they did, <laughs> yeah. they did it just for that one scene, which makes sense. It's outside. It's outdoors. It's like how you gonna uh, wear a raincoat? It's nighttime. You know. Put on the raincoat or whatever. In the, yeah, in the it, farmhouse, it, wearing the raincoat. <laughs> <laughs> and she also was thinking, like, you know, in, in a few years, we're gonna have the internet, and then all the pictures it's of me on Google cool. Images are gonna be me in a raincoat when yeah. people Google me. Special effects. Did you guys notice anything in here? It seems like everything was practical. Yeah, I think uh, it's too early. I think for anything green screen. And I love the costumes in this. I didn't know whether to put that in special effects we should or talk under about wardrobe. Yeah. Those costumes are so cool, aren't they? That still holds up. They still I hold swear up. by it. Yeah. I, I, I love the way they look. 33 years later, I still... I watch that movie, and that's the kind of stuff that I tend to nitpick. And I'm like, I have no issues with it. It's much worse now when they keep doing all this CGI stuff, and it mm -hmm. just looks... Awful, awful. Yeah, because the yeah. CGI is when they put it with the movie, they make it seem all oh, like the neon colors brighter, or you know, that's typically not realistic. But with this movie, they made everything seem like in real life, even though, like we said in the in the beginning of the podcast, that even though it's not Ninja Turtles, not typical realistic, but everything besides that, everything, the scenes, the location, like even like the turtles. The coloring, everything was seemed to be realistic. The sweat, the shadowing, everything. Yeah, um, and and it was difficult. Like so, the actors. There was one voice actor for mm -hmm. the turtles, and then there was a separate actor in the costume. The costumes were very heavy or very hot, as to be expected. So it was it was a chore for them to do the the physical acting in those costumes. There was a yeah stunt stunt double that he. I don't know for which um, ninja was it, but 
they were talking about it and he said that there's a scene that he just wanted to take it out so bad he ripped the actual head apart oh my and gosh. yeah and the stunt um coordinator he was so mad he was chewing his head off but the actors as they were talking about it they said they did not come like they did not um, blame him for doing that because it was a burden yeah. a heavy burden to really? do all that but yes they got those wow. costumes from i think the jim henson puppet company yeah, i think they, it was in london, london so i'm yeah. sure that was probably a big deal like you can't oh, really it was not bad. it was not easy to make i was seeing <laughs> yeah. the process of them making it oh, really it was no no joke no it was no walk on the park really yeah. man I have, um, I have one note on directing before yeah. we, we change uh, to the next category. So go ahead with wardrobe and I'll finish with directing. Okay, so we talked about the Ninja Turtles costumes. Amazing. Uh, April in the yellow jacket. Nice touch. The Foot Clan disguises. Pretty pretty uh, scary, even though they're not anything really um, detailed or anything like that. Like It doesn't seem like that far-fetched that somebody could just go out and get these fabrics and make it themselves. But it's pretty good and effective. Like if I, if a group of those guys showed up dressed like that, I would probably be a little worried. To me, they would yeah. look kind of just like flies because of the eye pattern. Yeah. And then the black suit. They're just like like yeah. little red ninja flies. <laughs> but yeah. you're you're right. They they it does serve the purpose of intimidating. It does. And I it, it immediately when you were talking about that, I'm like, man, I, I missed that. I forgot to write it down, but it's true. The scene in the subway, it's just yes. April. There's yeah. a bunch of them. They come out of nowhere. They come out of the dark because they're ninjas. Yeah. And then they play the music. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you nailed it. That was perfect. Can you do it again? Da, na, na, na. Oh, and then, it. He, then it's just her. She pulls out the sigh. He knocks it away. He slaps her and basically Wait, like, she's going to die here. Can, can, can I throw a little in prison? Is this the same guy that goes, we've been waiting for you, Miss O'Neill? <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't get us canceled, though, with the like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, what was I going to say? I wanted to, to mention one more thing about it. Oh, the, the touch of red that they have with their little, what do you call the those? bandana. Is it bandana? Yeah, uh-huh. the bandana. Yeah. It's a bandana. That, that's awesome. And the fact that they're not short bandana, but they actually have like a good length. Yeah. Oh, man. It just, I would I would dress up like that for a Comic-Con. What do you think? Next Comic-Con we go is the Foot Clan. I'm in. I'm 100% in if you are. Man, that would be hot. But, but dude, it would be a simple costume. It would be. You're basically wearing stockings, though. I don't know that they, like, are we going to find a good, legit, you know, I don't want to be the foot though. Uh, yeah, it's cool, man. We're not getting turtle costumes. You know how much, like, oh even slightly close to those costumes would cost. So and I, they'd be incredibly hot. Now that I'm at the foot, I got a good Easter egg about the foot later on. I'm excited to share that one. All right, next category: winners and losers. Hold on, I gotta talk about directing. Oh first. yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, so I have one note on directing. Uh, so Steve Barron, the director, was fired before the movie was finished. Um, because of how dark the movie was, because he wanted to portray the comic so like exactly, what? but he was fired. Yes, in the, in the scene where um, what's his name, Tuski or Tatsu, Tatsu, yeah, where he was mad because um, it was burning in the beginning in the in the in the fight scene. Um, so it's it's towards the the second half. It's in the second half of the movie, towards the end, where he's he, they're like in a locker room. Yep. And he starts uh, he wailing. Around, yeah. He starts wailing on a kid. Yeah. The kid was supposed, was supposed to, to die. Yep. Oh my god. He was supposed to have beaten him so badly that he dies. But they edited it to where it's like, hey man, you're gonna yeah. be okay. Yeah. So that it's not the perception of yeah, he killed this kid. It would have been a little excessive because this is a still a PG movie, right? Yeah, I this is a yeah. PG thirteen. But PG back then is not PG so now. Yeah, yeah. And also true. you gotta think, this is a, a a killer basically wailing on what's probably a thirteen year old. 
So he hits him a couple times. It's kind of believable that he could kill him. That's kind of disappointing because, you know, as a producer, he wants to be kind of exactly as the comic, but... And then just almost to the end of the movie being finished, and then you said, hey, you know what? I think it's not going to work out. Did they say how close they were? It was almost to the end. Did they say exactly when but yeah, they said I, could I'm you sure imagine if you're like two days away and they fire you oh that would hurt so I'm bad sure I'd be so a, mad. i'm sure it was probably a couple weeks away from yeah. fin- finishing but still with two days you're not gonna can't but he's still credited it. for it right yeah, yeah. He, he gets the director credit. Yeah. there's times where that happens like uh now that you mentioned people getting fired did you know that uh, the director of rogue one um was his name gareth edwards he was fired and Tony Gilroy had to pick up and finish it, uh, which sucks because that movie's really good. In yeah, my opinion. it is a very good movie. Um, and there's other examples of uh, supposedly Doug Lehman from Born Identity. He was also fired before the movie finished. That's what I've I've heard. And so it's, you look at these good movies and you're just like, what? The director's getting fired, but it's just like for stuff that studios, you know. Yeah, sometimes there's behind the scenes politics and yeah. stuff like that that happens in Hollywood. Ready for winners and losers? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Oscar, who had the best performance in the movie? And this might be tough because this isn't like a, a movie where you watch it to see the acting or anything like that. But best performance basically means who did the best acting job, not who you liked the most as far as a character. Just say whoever you like. That's what I do. Yeah. I ignore it. I, always- <laughs> I can't. I'm not because they all portrayed their characters so well. I'm, I'm not. I'm not so so. Who seemed the most believable to you? You're gonna say Michelangelo? <laughs> Stop. No, Stop. no way. I'm gonna say Michelangelo. Oh my gosh. Well, also, oh no, Shredder. I think he was the one that okay. to me the best because that's an acceptable yeah. answer. Yeah. Okay. Very good. How about you, Andy? Uh, for me, it was Raphael. He's the most okay. complex and interesting character in the movie. I'll give you that. He has the most layers. I noticed for a PG movie, he says, damn, a lot. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, there's I, like six damn in the movie. I started counting it, man. I don't know whether I'm going to edit this or not. I'll decide later. But but I just kept laughing because it's like, I'm six minutes into the movie and he said, damn, three, three times. times. I know. <laughs> I had never noticed that before. In all the times I've watched this movie, never picked up on that until this time. Too. It's hilarious, man. I thought that uh, Casey Jones did pretty good. He had some cheesy lines at yeah. certain points where he just like dishing one-liners. Yeah. But overall, I really liked him. I think uh, the actress who did April O'Neil did really good. I think the actor uh, Shredder, even though Shredder, like that's pretty Bane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Tom Hardy got the world really accustomed to the idea of an actor not being able to use his mouth or showing his mouth at all, and yet just doing so much acting with his eyes. And Shredder basically does that too. And we can see his eyes way less than we can see Bane's. He yeah. said, darkness is your life. <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> a note for Christopher Nolan. There's a way to have people with a mask and you can still hear their voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shots well, fired. Oh, man. No, but did you, uh, just as a little side note, Dark Knight Rises, when the original IMAX uh, preview came out, like months before the movie came out, they did an IMAX preview of just the first scene. People could not understand Bane. The, it was so hard to understand them that they didn't like it. And yeah. so Nolan took note of it and said, okay, we're going to clean up that audio and make sure you, he can, you can really hear him. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a Nolan thing. He likes loud music in the background, loud sound effects, and where you can barely hear the dialogue. Because I know that happened in Dunkirk where people complained, mm-hmm. and it happened now in Oppenheimer. And they finally asked him, like, what's the deal, man? Like, what's up with it? And he's like, I like it that way. Yeah, it's just his style. 
I think also when they first released the trailer of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, they, they didn't put the voice acting in it, so it was just the actor's voice. And so he sounded different. So when people went to see the movie, they appreciated it more that the scene and all the voice acting. I think. Yeah. Who had the worst performance? The worst acting job? And I think we probably will all agree here, but let's see. I think the kid of um, um, the, the Danny. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's what I got. I, I got Danny. I, oh, really? Yeah. He's he's the weakest link in this movie. Not as a character. As a character, he's fine. It's cool, and I like it. I like his his character's arc. I think that as an actor, he was the weakest actor. Yeah. He didn't do enough with it to make that character what it could have been. I thought we were all going to be unanimous on this, and I'm going to tell you guys mine here in a second, but I'm going to come to Danny's defense. I liked, I was fine with his acting. I didn't like the the character's story arc, to be, to be honest. like yeah. They never really established why he hates his dad so much and why he thinks he's you know cool to be in this gang or whatever. And then he flip-flops really for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then well, when he he's, is, when he's, he's the he's the devil in this movie. He is so bad. Like he's the reason they they kidnap uh, Splinter. He's but the he one changes. that tells them. He steals twenty dollars from April. What is he? He doesn't he, really redeem himself he, at all. No. Well, yeah. He, he carries Splinter out. Uh, he's well, oh, big mean, whoop. It's hard for him to make up for the actions and everything. Like it is hard for anybody who's made a lot of mistakes. But he does change midway through the film when he realizes this is not a family. When he sees Tatsu explode and everything, that's where he where he has his. Uh, I think he already knew at that point. That's that speech where Casey says, "This is not a family." That's for the rest of the Foot Clan that are at that point. They're ready to intervene and yeah, keep no, no, no. Splinter from being no. But rescued. the Tatsu thing's way before that. It's way before that because it's it's when Tatsu messes up that guy and everything that he uh, then decides to go talk to Splinter and he starts having conversations with him. Yeah, no, Splinter definitely is the turning point for him in that movie. But I, I thought we were all gonna say Tatsu was the worst. Oh, yeah, the no, no, no he, all he does is groan. I got something about that coming up, but um, no, I thought Tatsu did good. He, he was just like he's exactly what he needed to be right he's that second in command guy who just goes around looking angry and uh doesn't have much to do but but do that but yeah appear no. like a an authority figure shredder was a better leader than tatsu oh I, that's why he's the leader i know but tatsu's second in command you think he has some leadership skills he's got zero uh, he, it's because of the japanese connection they're buddies you know what i mean they must have they must have met each other somewhere um best line in the movie this is gonna be fun your favorite line from the movie. I have a lot of candidates oh, here. I, I have several also. I can go through some. You yeah. want to go through some of yours? Or do you- I, I don't want to steal anybody's. So. Okay. Then you want me to go first? No, I'll go first. All right. <laughs> okay. Forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. Got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Casey. A Jose Canseco bat? Tell me you didn't pay money for this. <laughs> that line was ahead of its time. Because in yeah. 1990, I think Jose Canseco was still okay. I mean, he was still in Oakland. And he was still like considered like an all-star baseball player. Now, that seems prescient at the time. Yeah. Because, yeah, you would absolutely make fun of somebody who has a Jose Canseco bat. Because it would be ridiculous. Um, and then I, I spoiled this one earlier. A fellow chucker, eh? Oh, I like that. Uh, and then... The the sentimental one or the, or the serious one from Splinter. The path from inner turmoil begins with a friendly ear. Mm, I like that too. Some wisdom. Oh, Man, I, 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 yeah, like um, I can't. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was saying 
he, he had an ear to listen so um, he just, he saw that the kid was um, troubled so he he said you know made him feel comfortable enough to uh, you know let him near yeah I mean he has experience raising teenagers because he's raising four teenagers <laughs> <laughs> I like that line though forgiveness is divine but never pay full price for late pizza that's great that might be my favorite but I'll, I'll share some of the other ones I really liked uh, this one is April. She goes, the guys in the black pajamas, <laughs> they jumped me and you. And then she looks at Splinter and she goes, I saw you yesterday. <laughs> so that explains you. <laughs> Cause she's all rat, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Something, something. yeah. Uh, and then later on, she's pretty funny in this movie on the local TV, the foot. Yeah. I know. It sounds like a funky club for the podiatrist. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys must be studying the uh, rap. He's like, you guys must be studying the abridged book of ninja fighting. Oh, I mean, yeah. come on. How do you guys expect to beat me? And then a whole bunch of them show up and he's like, good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donatello says, you're a claustrophobic. And uh, Casey Jones is like, I've never looked at another guy. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I should have written that one down. I love that. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one, this is barely a line, but when Casey is mocking Tatsu, and he goes, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, And then the, the last line I got here, I got some others, but I'll stop it here. Uh, Splinter, when he says, Death comes for us all, Rakusaki, but something much worse comes for you. For when you die, it will be without honor. One of my, my, one of my favorite ones is when Donatello, he's trying to meditate on what Splinter said. He's like, Hey, uh, Mikey, did you think about what Splinter was saying earlier? And Mikey says, 30 more seconds in the pieces. The guy's late. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Michelangelo. Okay, worst line in the movie. Okay, I have one. Uh, when the Foot Clan attacks April in the subway, and April says, What? Am I behind on my Sony payments again? Oh. That was mine. That line's racist. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, what I wrote down here. It's yeah. racist in 2023. Yeah, it's uh, it's problematic today. <laughs> Did you have a worse line, Oscar? Um, no, I don't, I don't think I really looked into that. All right. Out of all the guys or all the people involved in this movie, who deserves to be remembered most for it? I can't remember his name, but the guy that was in um, in charge of the. The, the censoring of the mouth and all the computer for the, the, mm. the eyes and all that because I, th- I think that was way ahead of its time when trying to see the... Dude, the I love movie. your answer already. Yeah, He went literally behind the scenes. He didn't even go movie. Oh, he, was, he was holding the little, like, every little, like, every scene he had to, you know, move the hands and one, one he had like little like little controls, controls right? that yeah. the face and the yeah. the gesture of the face you know he had to be attentive of the scene every part i saw i think when, when i saw that and you know it just brought like i really made me appreciate the movie more dude yeah. that is a legit good answer man yeah. I, I love your answer bro and i whatever i was gonna say i had a joke one but um yours is right I think that that's absolutely true. Because I think that was very hard to actually put in into a mask or face, and then. Oh my yeah, God. so <laughs> that's a better answer than mine. I, I mentioned uh, the two people who we actually still know their names now, thirty years later: Sam Rockwell and Elias Kateas. Yeah, who Those was Sam the, Rockwell in this movie? He was the lead of the Foot Gang. Uh, oh my god! The, the young guy. The young guy. Yeah. Who Casey's like? You call he, this family? That yeah. Guy? And, yeah. And he's like, he's introducing what I swear is like an eleven-year-old <laughs> into this clan. And he's like, you can do whatever you want here. You want cigarettes? <laughs> and he throws like a whole cart of cigarettes. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's, like, like, he's like, you got menthol or? <laughs> <laughs> and I 
Oh my god. That's the part that, you know, can That was Sam Rockwell? That was Sam Rockwell. That's crazy. Yeah. He's such a good actor now. Wow. Um I, I just for jokes I put down Tatsu should be remembered <laughs> just because of his one line that he says go play <laughs> <laughs> okay who should be forgotten from this movie I wrote down the little kid with the cigar did you see that oh, oh yeah, yeah. We were playing yeah cool. I, that, so I, I don't know if I wrote it down for one of my vexing issues but it's like come on like, you're saying cigarettes fine like kids want to smoke cigarettes that's teenagers. cigarettes like, like bigger than his head who's doing cigars as a teenager <laughs> Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think Tatsu. I wouldn't mind being him for a guy. Oh, poor Tatsu. Uh, for for me, it was Danny. He's the worst. Oh yeah, him he too. steals from April. He joins the Foot Clan. He rats out the turtles hiding out in April's apartment. Um, pun intended. And he has terrible taste in clothes and music. Ooh man. All right, egg drops, Easter eggs, little known facts, foreshadowing, symbolism. I don't think there's much foreshadowing or symbolism in this movie you know ever since the first pod i don't really look for foreshadowing anymore or i guess i just don't notice it i noticed it in jaws and spades you know lots and lots and lots of foreshadowing kind of monte cristo also had foreshadowing i think yeah and i i just for some reason i don't i don't pick up on unless i'm really looking for it yeah uh i do have lots of easter eggs though if nobody else has anything that they want to chime in in this section yeah go for it okay so, we, we talked about it earlier, but the young boy that Tatsu attacks was supposed to die from the beating. Uh, they made changes at the last minute after the ratings board objected to the scene because they found it violent for a peach. I, and I'm, I'm still kind of surprised by that. Nothing in this movie seems outwardly that violent to me. But then again, it's 30 years later, it's changed. Now, right. yeah. violence is so much more graphic and, yeah. and awful that, you know, we're not phased by what that was back then, mm-hmm. but not like we saw people bleeding there, people getting stabbed or anything like that. No. Fingers getting cut off with Leonardo's katanas. Like, yeah, so it seemed kind of tame to me, and I'm surprised that it was such a, an uproar back then. Uh, what's his name? The man? Oh, Jim Henson? Jim Henson, yeah. Um, he was even upset that there was too much violence in the movie because... I don't know why. Yeah, more so, used to the Muppet. So they scenario. were aiming this movie to kids, right? Yeah. That was the audience they were expecting, which is why I guess they really had to hold on to that PG rating, right? Like, we cannot let this get to PG-13 or else the little kids are not going to be able to watch it. And so that had to be why they had all the issues with the violence. And he's like, we got to tone it down if we want to keep this rating. So, yeah. So both Judith Hogue, who played April O'Neil, and Jim Henson found the movie to be very violent. Uh, Judith Hogue wasn't as back as April O'Neil in part due to her complaining about the violence in the schedule for shooting. Yep. So they just got fed up with how much she was complaining about everything, and so they didn't ask her back. Um, an- another Easter egg. All three news weapons. Doesn't she come back in the third one? Or no, is it's no. Paige, Paige Turco gets hired yeah. as, as a new uh, April. April O'Neil. In the second one, in and the she second, does it two and, and three. Yeah, she's okay. in two and three. And, I love Paige Turco, so yeah. that's that's a, a, an upgrade for me. I would have, I would have rather have a uh, Megan Fox. And <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All three newswomen seen or mentioned in the film are named after a month: April, May, and June. Oh my god! That's I, cool. Yeah, I had never picked up on that, but I, I read it. Uh, an interesting fact from the farmhouse, and I, I verified it as I was watching the movie. Michelangelo does not speak the entire time they're there. Wow, he's quiet the entire time. Oh, I think he, he makes he a nods. noise. He, he yeah. nods or makes a noise when he goes he, to get the turtle wax. He goes, yeah. he goes, uh. 
you know. But yeah. And he's yeah. also crying when he, um, that, that scene of the, when Mantis Splinter shows up. Oh, yeah. Fire, yeah. He, all you see him shed a tear. He's the yeah. one balling the most, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Well, I think he's the youngest of the turtles. Yeah, I think he is the baby. And I guess he was just feeling so, uh, you know, you know, when you don't know what you have until you lose something, is because mm. he, all the time Mantis Splinter was. Giving a lecture, you know, Michelangelo's ordering a pizza. So I'm gonna jump a quick vexing issue just because you mentioned that, and I know I didn't write it down. There is no way those four teenage turtles had as money. much as they eat. No, there's no way they're only ordering one pizza. They order one pizza at the beginning of the movie. It's like, there's no way. That's not nearly enough. But anyway, yeah, they might not have money. Um, and also, that was an expensive pizza. Thirteen dollars. Yeah. But no, it was, t- it was ten dollars plus tip. Was, and he was, took the, he took the tip away. I just thought that's yeah. a lot for nineteen ninety pizza. Yeah, like I can get a little Caesar's right now for six dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. for nineteen ninety that was pretty. Pr- but it is New York, so yeah. New York oh, everything's yeah. more expensive. Oh, there might have been a delivery charge in there too. Yeah. Okay, so I got three more. Go um, for it. I'm gonna save the best one for last. Okay. So Casey never calls April by name at any point in the movie. It's always Ooh. Toots or Babe or something. <laughs> never calls her by her name. Wow. Um, that's not that relationship. That, 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 that didn't age well. <laughs> um, during the final fight, you, you alluded to this, but you said that one person gets a hit on Shredder, only two. Oh, okay. Uh, I Ra- know Leo gets at least one. Raphael manages a kick to the ribs, and you can see it, but Shredder barely flinches when he gets hit. Mm-hmm. But he, he does get kicked in the ribs. Okay. And then, of course, Leo cuts Shredder's arm, and he does react to that one. Yes. But amazing that these. Turtles who are, you know, they can whoop up on foot soldiers, but they can't do anything to Shredder. Shredder is much more experienced as a fighter. And then the last one that's really interesting to me. So the original comic parodies many elements of Daredevil. The ooze that gives the turtles their abilities is similar to the toxic waste that gives Daredevil his sight and is in fact meant to be from the same incident. But Matt Murdock is not referenced in any way due to copyright issues. The turtles have Splinter. Murdoch has Stick as mentors. Daredevil fights a crime ring called the Hand, while the Turtles fight the Foot Clan. That's very interesting. So apparently they're in the same universe, the Turtles and Daredevil, which mm-hmm. means the Turtles are in the same universe as all the Marvel characters, which is pretty fun to think about. That's crazy because there's also there's also a cartoon where Batman was in the same universe as yes. I, I watched that. I was a little underwhelmed the first time, but it has such a good Rotten Tomato rating. It's like a ninety something. I need to rewatch it. But yeah, in that, seeing Batman fight Shredder was pretty cool. So I didn't love the animation style, but that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's all I got for Easter eggs. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So um, on this next section, <clears throat> section uh, Castaway, I don't want to do who almost got casted unless you have something for that because it's not really even worth talking about that. Okay, so I do... Who do you got? Uh, because there were a lot, a lot of big names. Really? So, yeah, there were a lot of names, period. Okay. Uh, but some of them didn't sound familiar to me or didn't seem relevant. But uh, for the role of April O'Neil, the following were considered Jennifer Beals, Marissa Tomei, Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, Melanie Griffith, Winona Ryder, and Brooke Shields. Oh my God. Like, that is a super A list cast. They weren't all A listers back then. I don't think any of them were. But still, it's kind of fun to think about. Who are you taking from that list to make this movie better? Uh, I, I think Winona Ryder, but I think she might have been too young at the time. But I can see Winona Ryder being a good April O'Neil. I like Sandra Bullock. Me too. 
think that that I would, think she's that, a little too serious. To Marissa yeah. Tomei is a good answer too. Marissa Tomei would be my my second choice. Sandra Bullock seems too serious to me for that. Really? Yeah. But she's got that like sarcasm and that witty. Yeah. I don't I know, but I, I found that fascinating. The the and then as far as uh, Casey Jones, you're gonna you're gonna find these interesting too. Johnny Depp, Keanu <laughs> oh Reeves, gosh. Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland. Jason Patrick and Brian Austin Green. Some of those first ones that you said, I kind of dig. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. I dig Keanu. Keanu, yeah, I dig uh, Johnny Depp. No. And who else did you say? You said somebody else in there. Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Kiefer, Jason Patrick, and Brian Austin Green. Okay, no. Then I only like... so it, it yeah. might have been, it might have been fun to have Sandra Bullock and Jason Patrick before they do Speed Two oh that they would work together in Turtles. <laughs> oh man, that's that's cool. Or Keanu and Sandra Bullock that would have been cool too. That would have been cool too. That would have worked because they did have chemistry. Pre Speed, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, recast this movie in a modern remake. And if you need time to think about yeah, it, I think I need. Okay, time. I, I just had a couple thoughts in my head. Chris Hemsworth as Casey Jones. If he could pull off like that, a that's, non-Australian that's, accent, that's audacious. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. And then okay, I don't know how this works. I don't know if this is in any way offensive, but John Cena as Shredder. <laughs> no, <laughs> just just for the size, you know what I mean, and the voice. I think that it, it would be cool. Well, if you want size, you could go Yao Ming, and it's probably a little no, bit more no, culturally but, appropriate. Oh, no, 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 but but then no. I, I didn't want to have to factor that in. Yeah, know? I know. But um, John Cena being huge and everything, and uh, I didn't want to pick the, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I was thinking about because that's so typical, and I don't, I don't think he does it the same. Yeah, no, no. I think it gets a little corny. But John Cena, I think, could pull it off in a more believable way. So for me, as Splinter, I went with Anthony Hopkins. I'm just kidding. Oh <laughs> no, I, I only did, I only did two. Only one I felt strongly about. I think Kaylee Cuoco would have been a good April O'Neil. I was, as I was watching the movie, just even the, the facial expressions that Judith Hogue was doing, I'm like, I've seen Kaylee Cuoco do that, and I feel like she's not so self-important that she would look down on doing this role, uh, that she might have said yes. I, I didn't have a good one for Casey Jones, so I just said Stephen Amell again, give him a chance to, to fix, you know, to uh, give him a second shot, because he, he did it for this last round of Michael Bay, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, which were terrible. So <laughs> I, I don't think that's his fault, so give him a second shot to be Casey Jones. <laughs> yeah, sure. That works. Okay, uh, say a line from this movie as a different actor or character. You got anything? No, that's all you. I don't. I don't do. I don't do imitation. So, <clears throat> all right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to do a line by April, as uh, Chris Tucker from Rush Hour. Oh, <clears throat> here we go. The guys in the black pajamas, they shoot me. And you, I saw you yesterday. So that explains you. <laughs> oh my god! I think that, that was, was perfect. That was pretty good. <laughs> they might. They might get you for a Rush Hour for. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Chris Tucker's voice goes out, they'll be like, Steven, come on in. <laughs> the voice double? Yeah. Voice double. <laughs> you have a warm pet on your throat. Are you gargling salt? <laughs> All right. We've reached the hit of takes. I love this part. This is really fun. Um, okay. Uh, Oscar, if anything comes to mind at any point, just go ahead and chime in. And, right. You know, as you start to remember the movie. 
Uh, but Andy and I will try to get this to go. Andy, Jake's most hated tech of the movie. So I, I had to dig deep for this one because there was not much tech and right. nothing that failed. So I went with the engine on the Volkswagen bus failing. That's what I had too. I think that's yeah. the only answer. <laughs> Jacob would have been like, Volkswagen, man. Yeah, stupid German cars. <laughs> um, Edgar's item of the movie that was too expensive to buy at retail. This is so easy. It's the pizza, Let's right? say same time. Dang it, you ruined it. <laughs> Sorry. It's the pizza. I think that Edgar, though, doesn't even give him the 10 bucks. Edgar says, no, this pizza's free. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's stealing. Edgar would yeah. not steal. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I put the medium Domino's pizza was too expensive for $19.90. $13 is crazy high. Yeah. He would have either gotten some Little Caesars or just picked it up himself to avoid the delivery charge and the tip. Or go run out there and find a, a newspaper stand so he can look for a coupon. It, it, well, you know, coupons were really prevalent back then. So yeah. Michael Angelo should have used a coupon. I wonder if he did. Was it more expensive than thirteen dollars? And he used a coupon? Maybe. No. Well, no. He would have had to given him the coupon. He, he only gave him the ten dollar bill. Uh, sometimes you could just call in and use them. No. But I don't think in nineteen ninety they were calling I, in coupons. Yeah, I think now uh, back then you had to prove that you, you had, had to it. give them. Yeah. Yeah, but I also wonder if he had coupons, he probably would have gotten like a two for one deal. When he just gotten one pizza, would have gone two. <laughs> Andy, your favorite vacation spot from the movie? The Foot Hideout. It's got some cool activities. For me, it was a oh yeah, the foot hideout. Was I was gonna think, I was gonna say that, but then I thought you probably wouldn't handle the smell and all the people being there. No, like, I don't you wanna... get to be there by yourself. All those kids are gonna be there yeah, too. Yeah, I don't want to hang out with a bunch of teenagers that are smoking cigarettes. It's gonna be just me. It doesn't smell good, man. I can guarantee you. Some of those kids no, they don't shower. Put, they, they did not home. put deodorant on. You know, no, no they. Don't. It's awful. I would do the farmhouse. I think I'm more of an outdoor kind of yeah. person. So You got a countryside to yeah. you, right? Yeah. If the farmhouse was fixed up and not falling apart, I <laughs> might have said the farmhouse. But I'm not a farm guy to begin with, so it has to be really nice. Mm. And so, no, it was falling apart. I wouldn't have voted for that. Steven's I'm losing it moment. At what? Basically, this is at what point in the movie would I most likely go... This is so amazing. Almost oh, well, definitely the the final fight fight with uh, Shredder. He would go. He would be so excited, and especially <laughs> with uh, when all the four ninjas are down and uh, Splinter comes to save the day, and he would just go. Crazy. I, I think you might be right because I like the way they bring Shredder into that fight because they're already on the roof, right? The yeah. turtles, and then they bring Shredder down, and they like the camera shows you his feet basically in slow motion landing yeah, like, first. Where does he jump from that he oh. lands on yeah. the roof? Like, do you jump from a higher roof? Dude, <laughs> it had to be. Uh, that was pretty cool. So at that point when they did and he lands, I would have been like, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that was my pick also, the Shredder rooftop fight. Caden's most likely moment to scream something out in the theater. Okay, so I had written this line down, okay. and I put, Donatello says, you're a claustrophobic. Casey, I've never ever looked at a guy, I've never even looked at a guy before. So he would have laughed out loud at that, yeah. said, maybe said something funny. Yeah. Um, or then at the end when Charles asked, Danny, are you okay? Are you okay, Danny? He might have started singing the song. Mm -hmm. Danny, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Danny? <laughs> Michael Jackson. Alrighty. Um, okay, Brian's vexing issues. I've got a few here, actually, believe it or not. 
You, you want to go first now? You want me to go first? Because usually you have some really good ones, some deep ones. Okay. You got some Oscar? So what's like vexing? So basically things in the uh, movie that were confusing that don't really make sense. They don't add up. So they can be plot holes in the movie. Oh, okay. Or they can just be things that don't make sense. I have one. You have one? So when he, uh, he was saying that he was, uh, when Splinter was imitating the karate moves before he took the, the radioactive uh, yeah, gooey. Yeah, So <laughs> how, if he was a normal rat, how could he remember the moves or, you know? Yeah, well, so and he's also one. standing on one leg yeah. and doing kicks. Yeah. <laughs> like, if rats are doing that in New York, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I, I think that one. Okay. Let me go ahead and do a few, Andy. I only have three here, and hopefully they're easy to answer. I think it was Danny that was eating a Burger King Whopper fries and a drink with the Foot Clan. And he's uh, getting his greasy hands all over the merchandise that they just stole. Like he's <laughs> opening boxes and checking out the stuff with his greasy hands. And the Foot Clan guy in the back doesn't even say anything. He's just there with his arms crossed. Who's paying for the food? And why don't they care that he's, like, ruining all the stuff? The food is stolen, first of all. Okay. And then the, all that... How did he get the drink? They steal it, too. They just steal the cups. And then uh, you... you and then go real machine. quick and get the self-serve. Yeah, self -merchant. As long as you have the cup, they don't ask questions. You can get free refills. And then all that merch is going to Japan anyway to resell, so they don't care. They're mm -hmm. shipping it in containers and going to Japan, so it doesn't matter. Next issue I had... Leo says at the beginning of the movie, this is their first fight. And uh, they are, according to the timeline, 15 years old. How is it that Splinter says that their ninja skills at 15 are already reaching their peak? That makes no sense. Well, it's like our very first fight. You guys are almost at your peak. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if turtles only live to be 20 years old? Oh, oh no. my gosh. They might have already missed their peak. Oh, oh my gosh. So that was a little weird to me. Uh, last one I've got is no one tells the cops that there's a really dangerous samurai bad guy in the back of the dumpster. Do they all just assume that he he's dead? Even if he were dead, why wouldn't somebody say, hey, like, go check out the back of that dumpster instead of letting him like get taken out, <laughs> like driven off and then show up in the sequel that he's still alive? Well, I would imagine it's because Casey doesn't want to get charged with murder because Casey straight up murdered that guy. <laughs> he might have been injured, maybe broken bone, maybe broken spine. Casey murdered him. That like, was... honestly, it's amazing that... That was an Turtle... intentional execution. <laughs> it's amazing that Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 doesn't start with Casey having died, where it's like, oh, how, how did he die? <laughs> Shredder oh, Shredder's back. <laughs> Shredder came back and killed him. It's like, you crushed me in a garbage <laughs> tractor yeah jerk um okay juana's chef's Hold kiss on. I, I gotta oh, say sorry. my vexing issue oh sorry go ahead oh my gosh okay I so get, i get too excited sometimes. yes he does uh first one how are the turtles digs in the sewer so nice like that's pretty clean and dry like it would not be that bad to sleep there like that's impressive it that's took almost time, not a I'm question. Sure. It's just a, almost more of a compliment i have a feeling that splinter did most of the work there yeah, <laughs> yeah. Danny walks away, or Danny walks all the way from April's apartment. So at the end, Casey's in the van sleeping. Danny walks all the way from her apartment to the foot hideout in the middle of the night, and Casey follows him. Then they carry Splinter all the way back. How close was that hideout all this time? Like, is it like three blocks to the left? Like, because that's a long way to walk in yeah. the middle of the night in New York. Yeah. And it looks like it's out there in the middle of nowhere. And then they carry Splinter all the way back into the city. Like, 
you see them walking out of the building. Unless they like commandeered a van or something like that. Man. It has to have been very, very close for them to be carrying, you know, this 110-pound rat <laughs> in New York City. You think he's 110 pounds, you think? I don't know. He's, pro- he's tiny. He's pretty he's short. Like, yeah. yeah. I think under low. Maybe 90. Yeah. Right? Does he eat the pizza, too, when they bring it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think, I think yeah, he's, he's like a vegetarian. Yeah. He's like on a very healthy diet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so that was, that was a big one for me. Uh, and then the last one is, why did April get rehired? So clearly Charles made a dirty deal with the police chief to make the charges against Danny disappear. The movie doesn't really delve into that, mm. but it is kind of like a political crime drama there because he makes a dirty deal to yeah. make the charges against Danny go away when Danny gets arrested. Uh, and part of that apparently includes having April fired because April is making the police department look bad. So April doesn't know and she doesn't play ball and keeps attacking the police force and so Charles fires her. So why rehire her at the end of the movie? Just to cover the breaking news story at the end? If Charles was going there because he knew what was going down, wouldn't he have asked her replacement to go? Like, he knows he's going to the location of a a breaking news story. Why not bring the reporter that replaced April? Why hire her on the spot and agree to pay her more? What changed to where it's like, I feel bad, I need to rehire her? Because she's the one who's been running with this story for the longest, right? And maybe everybody was, you know, critical of her because they don't have evidence or it's just making the police look bad. But at the end, when it's just like, oh, this entire organization has been outed. You know, and even the kids out there, he's like, go to this warehouse or whatever. He's yeah. like, you'll get your answers there. He's just like, wow, like her story had validity and everything. Yeah, we really should have been back. She in gets her. validated, but it doesn't change the fact that he knew he was going to place the story. He did not know she would be there, and he did not bring a reporter to cover the story. No, I think he, he might have gone there for Danny, maybe. And so he just conveniently like, hey, it, it, they weren't. Yeah, the but same there spot. was a cameraman there. Because otherwise, what was she gonna rec- what was she gonna report? Oh my. yeah, maybe he was gonna do it himself. It, but they brought uh, no, he was maybe he was gonna report it. No, he's behind this, and he went for his son. He was gonna go hang out with his son and make sure his son's okay. We'll never that, know. That's a major plot hole for me. <laughs> All right, Quanah's chef's kiss, male character of the movie. I think I think the answer is clear. Okay, yeah. Fiona. No, okay. Splinter. It's Splinter. It's Splinter or it's Michelangelo. No, I'm oh. just kidding. We should almost ask her just to cut, pop in just for this, but my answer was Casey Jones Casey in the tank Jones. top showing off the guns. Nah. 90s style. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling she's not a Casey Jones guy. Well, no, she's not attracted to any of these guys. <laughs> I think she would rather go for uh, either Charles. Splinter or... No, definitely not. <laughs> Danny. Uh, oh my God, no. Um, I think it's it's probably Sam Michael. Sam Rockwell? It's, oh, jeez. No. The 11-year-old with the cigarettes? Oh, jeez. <laughs> She'd be like, he's so cute. <laughs> Give me a little puff for that. <laughs> Juana's. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I did that right. Tatsu. That's the answer. Oh, Tatsu. Yeah, Tatsu. Tatsu. Oh, She's got the hops for Tatsu. She, she's probably not liking him. Um, Iris's I hate kids moment slash pee break moment. I think that it's a cigarette when the kids. You know, like, <laughs> pop in the pop in the, the cigarette, cigarette kids. Yeah. <laughs> she said, she's probably going like, get that out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, for pee break, I have the, probably the. Uh, farmhouse section yeah. yeah at that point you've been holding it in for an over an hour, over an hour it's time to relieve yourself from that icy when you see that the foot clan's not showing up at the farmhouse you're probably going to the bathroom so for me the i hate kids moment would be any scene with danny oh, <laughs> oh wow he's awful the whole movie man niece's that's not funny honey moment of the movie the racist sony joke in the subway because <laughs> you can't i mean i, I 
I, I, I don't want to get canceled, so I won't say I what I was going to say. I kind of envision her like chuckling and then say, no, that's not funny. You know? Yeah, but Caden for sure probably would have laughed. Probably for sure would have. Sally's I guessed it moment. I thought that it'd be Splinter showing up at the very end when the turtles are beaten. For me, it was Orokusaki being Shredder. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, the I guessed it moment is one of those where it's just like, you could probably yeah. see it coming. Put you know? But no, yeah. but hers is where she has like uh, a oh. gift. A gift. Oh. <laughs> where, she, where she can call something like, there's no way you could have possibly guessed that. That's like Darth Vader being Luke's father. It's like, how on oh, earth would yeah. you possibly guess that? Yeah. You know, there's nothing, no hint at all given to indicate that that's true. It's like, oh, but I she got it. those skills, man. Yeah. Some people. Miriam's best dressed character in the movie. April O'Neil. She had pretty good fashion sense for 1990. Yeah. Probably. I don't like her. Except for the yellow raincoat. I don't like her outfits. No? Yeah. Don't like what she was wearing. I think for the 90s it was pretty good. I don't know who you would put in this. Raphael. I was going to say Shredder. The trench, trench coat and the hat. Shredder. Shredder. You know, Shredder's oh, always yeah. wearing some like quality materials and everything. Shredder looks nice, like he's about to go to a disco. Nice <laughs> cape. You know, polished the, the blades on him. I don't know. That's like Keeps very clean. Met, that's like very Met Gala what he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> clean haircut. You know. Last takes. Briefly discuss the sequels or present sequel ideas if none were ever produced. There were two sequels to this movie. I mean, technically, you could say that all the movies after that where they rebooted it were technically sequels also. Just, you know, they started over. But um, did you watch the sequels? Have you seen them? I watched all of them, yes. You did watch them all? Yes. Okay. Um, I like the second one. And I like the third one yeah, less. Was, uh, yeah. Because um, they... I, I saw that they were trying to move on more towards like uh, more PG than the because the first one was so serious that they yeah. didn't want it to be as dark as it the first one. So mm, I really my favorite is the first one, yeah. but my second I think is the third one. The third oh really? In Japan? Yeah. Wow. And they they did um, intentionally get really silly and um and less violent with the second one. When you watch it, it's so noticeable. Yeah. Nothing is scarier though in any of the movies than Super Shredder. In fact, I like, think that's it, terrifying. I think <laughs> I think in the second movie, they don't use their weapons at all. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. That makes sense, but at the same time, I think the scariest moment for me in any of the trilogy are both in uh, two, the it's part where they're in the garage with Bebop and Rocksteady, or no, or Itaka and Razor. Bebop and Rocksteady wasn't that the the more modern teenage? <laughs> I think they yeah, show that, up in that. That's, yeah, that's the cartoon. Yeah, this I one's I think Taka is it? Yeah, and, and Razor. Yeah, you're right. Um, but there's a part. Is it like Kino is in there by himself and he's like spying, and I'm just sweating bullets the whole time. Thinking he's gonna get caught and he's gonna mm. get killed, and then of course Super Shredder at the end. But you know, m- my thoughts about sequels. Uh, number two was better in a lot of ways than the first one, in my opinion, and worse than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still a very valid sequel. Um, it was fun. It has, I think, the single best moment of the franchise, which With is Vanilla Ice. Yeah, the Ninja <laughs> Rap. I mean, that is. That is... Was that Donald Duck? No, I was trying <laughs> I to do the sound. So I think that's the best moment of the franchise. And number three, of course, was a huge disappointment. 
Yeah. For me, three has some issues. I mean, it's it's it, you can, me, it's it fun. You can watch issue. it, but it's not the same. Yeah, because for me, the second one, I don't remember it being as funny as the first or third one. Um, the story also, I get you know Shredder like trying to get vengeance from, from the turtles and all that, but yeah, I just you know compared to the first one, I just didn't really enjoy the second one. I I always remember like fast forwarding just till the last fight scene. Yeah. For, for as much as I like Casey Jones, I like Kino more. Really? Yes. Ooh. Kino was a lot of fun. Yeah. He's fun, but he, he was like, he, he's not Casey for me. I I, I still like him. Yeah. I, especially when he's uh, at the very end when he's, he goes up against Shredder like Shredder's got the what is it the ooze or whatever yeah and, and he, Kino's he like get out of the way get out of the way get out of the way and he goes like Ooh. and he does like this whirlwind oh, kick to yeah. take it out of Shredder so cool so cool <laughs> wasn't he so the stuntman too cool he, he was a stuntman for the turtles as well was he? I think yeah. he was yeah. I, I, that, man Oscar's done his research yeah man. he did he came prepared Alright, uh, final scores for the movie, guys. What are you grading it? Uh, 10 out of 10 for me. Woo! It just went up to 10. It was at 9 before. Well, I think for the time, it was like a 1990. 90 should have been okay. But for me personally, it was a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Wow. Well, dude, I'm so glad that we brought you on for this pod so that you could give a 10 out of 10 to one of your favorite movies. Yeah, I love this movie. Andy? Okay, so for me, it's an A, but a lot of that is nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, it's just so, uh, such a big part of my childhood that, you know, the movie critic in me kind of gets uh, overshadowed by just the the fan. I, I love this movie because of what it represents in my childhood and the fact that they have never made another decent Turtles franchise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I this, haven't seen any of the new ones. So the the ones with Megan Fox are terrible. Michael Bay, you know, just they were bad. Uh, Mutant Mayhem I just saw and it was fine, uh, but not spectacular in my opinion. So for me, the the turtle movie is these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. one, nineteen ninety, and two. Um, that is turtles. Crazy how we feel that way and yet you get a modern generation now that's gonna be like you guys are crazy yeah you guys don't know what you're talking about those movies were terrible they're boring and blah 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 i mean it's kind of like the batman 1989 fans versus those that grew up on the christian bale batmans Mm -hmm. and i I lived through both and i think i feel like i could be objective about it but sometimes you can't and i just feel sometimes like so privileged of like even though i wasn't born in the 1990s but I, i still grew up watching those movies I feel so privileged that I was able to enjoy and like live through those movies because nowadays I ask kids like, "Hey, uh, you seen Teenage Mutant Turtles?" And like, "Oh, just the oh the new ones, right?" It's like, "No, the classic." It's like, "No, the old ones are they're bad." I'm like, "What?" They didn't get to. It feels dated to them, and I don't blame them. I get it. I'm trying to give you I'm so proud of you for that comment because now I don't feel I don't feel like I'm necessarily wrong now. For, for the older, I, I like them better because, like I said, the story and the... Com- for me, I'm a big comic guy, so if it has action and comedy, I'm lo- I'm going to fall in love with the movie either way. But so, the story, the new, the newer Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Megan Fox, it, it, it was funny, but the story just didn't like make sense and it was not like realistic. Even though, you know, obviously the turtles are not realistic, but either way. <laughs> <laughs> but just my favorite is the only thing that I liked about the, the Megan Fox movies was in their elevator. And they go, bum, bum, bum. 
TJ Mikey. <laughs> I don't know if you guys seen it. I haven't that's, seen it, man. That's I'm sorry. You gotta see it. I, I intentionally had my mind wiped after watching them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it. We uh, are done. Any final comments before closing this out? I think it's time for us to do the thing we said at the beginning of this one. What did we say? Oh, yeah. It's time. We're putting the hands in. Together. On three. One, two, three. Cowabunga! Cowabunga! And cut.